0: and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. I would like to welcome you all again to another episode of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Meduna Gross and today we have a really special conversation with Maria Lavelle. Lare- Maria Lavelle is the Chief Executive Officer of the People Federal Credit Union. Did I say that correct?
1: That is correct. Good
0: job. Okay, good People, Federal <laughs> Credit Union in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. She has been the CEO of this credit union for the past 20 years, and the credit union currently serves over 16,000 members with $105 million in asset. Maria received her bachelor's degree in business administration and a bachelor's degree in science in business administ- uh, management, both from Point Park University. Maria resides in Murphy'sville, Pennsylvania. She has two beautiful daughters, uh, Sierra and um, Selena, and a three-year-old grandson, RJ. Maria, thank you so much for setting aside time for this conversation today.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: This this is a particularly interesting conversation because um, listeners will know that a lot of the conversations we have. Involve the the guest is an entrepreneur, and what are the challenges of becoming an entrepreneur? And your topic is going to take us in a little bit different direction into leadership. And leadership is not uh, by any means separated from entrepreneurship. And what is particularly interesting, I think, about your story is about how a early you got into a very um, high level leadership position. So that's a little bit different than just being a leader, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But you, you, you blossomed early into these leadership positions. So I really want to hear your story about how that even came about. And then we'll dig a little bit into some of your ideas around leadership. All right. Sounds good.
1: You know, I'll be honest, you know, as a high schooler, I didn't aspire to be a leader or to be a CEO of a credit union. Um, when I, I graduated from high school, I come from a single parent household, low income. There was six of us. So my mother did everything she could to provide. Mm-hmm. So when I first graduated from high school, I, I went to school for fashion. You know, I was 18 years old. I had this dream. I was going to live in New York City and do whatever you do when you live in New York City. And then life happens. You know, you you get you get married and you have children and life takes you down a different path. So I decided to go back and get my bachelor's degree in business. And then once I graduated, um, I was looking for kind of a a more of a steady work hours, uh, you know, so being a mom. So I applied for this credit union as a teller position back in 1996, and I got the job and it was great. Bankers hours, nine to five, holidays off, no weekends, loved it, worked, worked well being a mom and being a new wife. And then my CEO there became my mentor. You know, um, he saw something in me that at that time, to be honest, I didn't see in myself. I was a young girl with a very, very low uh, self-esteem, but I was always motivated, motivated to do more and motivated to learn more. And he saw that early on. So within my five years at that credit union, I was able to go from teller to my last role being accounting manager. And then this opportunity opened up. It was a much smaller credit union and my CEO kind of, you know, we had a conversation and he said to me, I think you're ready. Hmm. So at the age of 28, I became the CEO here. And at that time, we were $18 million in asset and I had five employees. Today, as you stated, we're $105 million in asset and I have 43 employees. So we've definitely grown a lot and done a lot here. So uh, here I am today. Um, I enjoy what I do. I think that i am making an impact, not just on my team, but on the members that we serve. And as long
0: as I continue to enjoy what I do, um, I'll continue to do it. That's phenomenal. So you mentioned two things that seem somewhat in opposition to one another. One is you said you were a young woman with low self-esteem, and yet you were also a young woman who was willing to try anything. How do you see those two parts of you fitting together?
1: You know, I go back to, as I said before, I have a total of five siblings, um, two girls, and I was always the 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 odd child. <laughs> you know, I was always the the mama's girl, and I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. My brothers and sisters were very popular, so they were going to the parties and the football games, and then I was kind of reserved. So from high school, it just my self-esteem wasn't wasn't very good. But the fact that I came from a low-income household and I watched my mom struggle Mm -hmm. um, day-to-day is I knew I wanted more, not just for me, but be able to be there for her as she continued to progress in her older age. So Mm -hmm. I I pushed myself. Um, I was always strong academically and I always, I'm the books, always in the books, always wanting to learn. Um, It's just being able to stand up and speak and tell my story and speak for myself, be my own voice was always a struggle for me. Yeah. But I found that. I found that my CEO helped me find that, but I found that here too, as I became in the leadership position, I was the youngest one here. Um, I was a woman, but being in a small and there's always a lot of females. We're very female dominated, but I was also a person of color in a very rural area. So being young and a person of color, you know, I really had to learn to exercise my voice. Um, my first year here working for board of directors was different. Um, my CEO did come out with me and meet with me every month to kind of walk through board meetings and what to expect and really encouraging me to prove myself. And then in time, things got easier.
0: Yeah. So take us back to you're, you're starting out as a teller and you're curious, it sounds like. You're curious about yes. how, uh, how other operations in the bank were operating. Right. <laughs> and um, it, it also sounds like you were willing to take those opportunities as they came up just for the chance to try out the job. Is is Am I understanding that correctly?
1: That is true. Um, they used to always tease me Is you know, when the job posting would come up, they always say, is Maria going to apply? Because Maria's going to apply. Then we mouth not apply. <laughs> but, you know, I had a bachelor's degree and I took the job. And a lot of my friends were like, you had a bachelor's degree and you're going to be a teller. And I always have the mentality, and I, and I tell this to my daughters and I also tell it to the young professionals that I mentor, is you just got to get your foot in the door. Yeah. So to me, I wanted more stable hours. And I just, I figured if I got my foot in the door, I could prove myself, Mm -hmm. but then I wanted to learn more. So as job opportunities opened up, I did not have a a problem applying for them. So I was, you know, I was a loan officer. I was in the call center. I was um, like I said, I ended my career as accounting manager, but then I also took a job, which was a utility person. And Nobody applied for that job but for, but I did and the reason why I did it is because I got to fill in in every department when somebody was off okay so that gave me a very broad perspective of how the credit union run, ran and every aspects from loans to HR to marketing and then when I became CEO I have an understanding so even though I haven't been a teller for a long time mm-hmm. When my team says it's a third a month and I'm crazy busy or I can't understand, <laughs> I right. can relate. It's right. relatable to me, so you know that that helps. And I think that the fact that I started as a teller and worked my way up has gained me a level of respect from my team. Sure, is that I didn't just come in as a CEO. I've kind of earned it and understand it, and, could, and can help me lead.
0: Wonderful. So take me back again to. You're, you're taking this role as a teller. You're a new wife. You're a new mother. Did At that point, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you took this job because it was good hours and it was something that you could do. Um, and did you have an idea about where this would go? Or was it, here's an opportunity. It fits my needs right now. I'm going to take it.
1: It was, it fits my needs. Um, and that was the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, I always say is that sometimes in life, you take a position because of where you are and what your needs are. And maybe it's personal when maybe you're, you know, you're taking care of your, 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 your mother or your, your single parent. So sometimes you take a position based on where you are in life. So mm-hmm. I took it because I needed the, the regular hours. I needed to not work every weekend and not work every holiday. Um, again, being a, a new wife and a new mom. So that's why I had no clue. Uh, but when I got in there, I really started to love the credian philosophy mm-hmm. of you know serving the underserved and improving the financial well-being of the members that came into the credian. So I found my passion, you know, for passion for making a difference. And I it said,
0: Yeah, it wasn't transactional for you anymore,
1: right? It uh, we we can make a difference. And then I said, Okay, I I can get behind this. This could be my career. And the way I'm going to flourish is I'm going to learn everything I can in order for it to take me to the next level. Now, whatever that meant, I, I could have, I thought I was going to be at the credit Union for a long time. I think my CEO did, which is why he invested so much time in me mm-hmm. to me to be aspire to be a leader there, whether it was executive leadership. I think that was his long term plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this opportunity came up and we both felt it was the right time for me.
0: You know, I think one of the things about your story that I find so fascinating is how clearly it demonstrates that, that premise that um, sometimes we're not, we can set our goals for ourselves. You know, we can Mm -hmm. set a path for ourselves and say, this is what I want. And then as you say, life sometimes gives us other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, I find it just, amazing how you you took this job because it fit the needs that you had at the time it wasn't you didn't particularly feel a passion for the mission at that point it mm-hmm. was a way for you to take care of your family both financially and with your time and, and energy mm-hmm. so I think a lot of times and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later in the conversation but I want to make a point here that oftentimes especially for women and and I don't I, I guess I say that because I am a woman and, and those are my experiences. Mm-hmm. Maybe this happens for men too, but there seems to be as young women, as we're coming out of high school, at least this expectation that you kind of figure out where you're going to go next. Um, and you make you know good choices in high school about what are your extracurriculars and how much are you going to uh, commit to your studies and your grades so that you can get into that next college. And it, it just kind of sounds like you can get whipped up into, here's a path that's been set out for you. Absolutely. And then something happens, and you're off that path. Did you ever feel like you were off your path, or did you kind of feel like you were just creating it as you went along? No, I think in the
1: beginning, um, I felt like I was off my path um, when I went to school for fashion, and I got you know a degree in fashion, and I was still living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and working in retail. evenings. That wasn't what I thought fashion was going to be. Um, You know, again, I thought I was going to be in New York City and doing whatever that entailed. So I I kind of, you know, you you had this dream and then you're sitting there like, okay, this reality is not what I dreamt of. So now it's time to reevaluate. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I did. And I knew that my degree was in fashion, wasn't going to take me to the next level in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania or Greensburg, Pennsylvania. So I needed to reevaluate. And and that's when I said, okay, I I need a little bit more education in business to try to see where that's going to take me. So absolutely, um, I was kind of lost. And then I I would go in my older years. um, Like I said, I was married, but I've been divorced for the past six years. And then I will tell you, that's another time in my life that I felt like I lost, like Mm -hmm. I was lost. And that was on a personal journey. Um, You, you reevaluate where you are and the impact on the personal, professional decisions. And then you, you you push forward. So I spent, you know, that time after my divorce to just reevaluate me as a person, Mm -hmm. as a professional, as a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then you push forward. So yes, those are the two times in my life where I would say I've kind of felt like I
0: was off personal Mm -hmm. and professional. Yeah. Right. So what's interesting is that we can feel lost. Like we can feel like we've lost our North star or a direction or kind of where we're going. And yet the, the answer seems to be found right where you are. So when you were younger here, the answer is becoming a teller. And then getting into not even knowing what the whole credit union world was about and what it could mm-hmm. do for our families and communities. And then being able to really connect with that mission, which mm-hmm. would kept you in that, on that trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So I, I'm, the, the question I guess is, was there ever a time when, during that time where you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm taking this job. Now I'm starting to see and understand the nature of credit unions. I'm starting to buy into this mission that they're on. Was there anything of your old self that you had to let go of in order to be able to continue to move in that direction?
1: I would say, you know, my, my, my childhood, um, my friends and where they were in life, and being looked at a little differently. And so, you know, you, you grow up in, in Fed County, Uniontown, Pennsylvania, and it's a very low income area. And a lot of my friends didn't make it out of Uniontown. A lot of my friends, you know, um. You Became became parents very young or struggled with some type of addiction. And I think believing in myself that I could do more. Yeah. I could be more. And my past, I always say this, is your past doesn't determine your future. You determine your future. So letting go of that stigma of that, you know, you, you came from little, so you're going to have little. Yes. Um And, you know, again, that's, I had to believe that I had to believe that, that I could, I could do more and I could be more
0: and I could have an impact. And in your case, it sounds like your CEO, again, believed in that for you before you could believe in that for yourself. Is that true? Absolutely. That is, that is correct.
1: And like I said, I was always motivated. So I wanted to learn. I was always the one raising my hand at a staff meeting asking questions. Everybody always looking at me laughing, but (laughs) so I wanted to understand, you know, why decisions were being made and and then kind of tie that back to everything I was learning because I was working and also going to school to get my master's. So I'm trying to connect the dots and everything. So, yeah. I love that.
0: And to me, that just points to the importance of, having good leadership. Mm-hmm. I imagine, have you ever imagined what your path might have been if he was not your CEO at that point?
1: I do. And I, and I believe I'd still be in the credit union movement. Um, but I don't know if I would be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting at today. I think mm-hmm. I would be in some type of, you know, branch manager role or but I don't think I would be a CEO. And I don't think I would have been able to make the jump because you get, and this happens, you get in a comfort zone, right? Um, I was comfortable at my credit union. I, I knew a lot of stuff. And I, <laughs> and then to make that leap, I, I struggled with that decision and began able to go to him and say, this is where I am. And I'm struggling with this decision. I'm, I'm comfortable. I know that down the road I can be in the leadership here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to hear him say, you know, I, it's time. I think you got this. Um, I needed that reinforcement because I was comfortable. The hours were great. I was learning. I was growing. I was progressing personally, financially, professionally. Why would I want to give that up and risk going to a whole new organization? And so you you get comfortable. So absolutely. I believe he gave me the push at the time that, you know, I needed the push.
0: Mm -hmm. And you were still very young. I, 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 was. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was. I, I look I, back I on my twenties now and I'm thinking, wow, I don't, wow. That sometimes it's just a wow. When you look mm-hmm. back on your twenties, what do you see? You
1: know, when I, when I look back on my twenties, my early, I see a different person. Yeah, I do. I see a, a huge, you know, different person. I think I was very, uh, a. Very forward-looking, very aggressive, very motivated. Kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And today, I think I exhale a little more. Uh, mm-hmm. I exhale a little bit more. They, they, you know, the old saying: "You stop and smell the roses." <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I kind of in, in enjoy life a little bit more. And maybe it's because I've, what is next, you know? Mm-hmm. But I still do. I still push myself, and I, I volunteer a lot. I serve on a lot of boards um, because of that. That fulfillment of I. I still need that fulfillment of growth in me, um, but so yeah, I look back and and, and sometimes I, I I just laugh. I'm like, I'm I'm really here. <laughs> right? And my my mom is, you know, my brothers and sisters laugh because my mom's adorable. Um, you know, you walk in her house, and sometimes I feel like I'm walking in like this hall of fame. She's got Anne reports taped on the wall, and all these mementos of things i've accomplished and it's (laughs) they but it is and to to make her proud and for her to be proud is 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 rewarding in itself
0: absolutely so take me to the point then when you are now stepping into this role as ceo and again Mm -hmm. you must have some beliefs about yourself um What were some of the the beliefs about yourself that you really had to embrace at that point? And again, were there some beliefs about yourself that you had to let go of at that point?
1: I think the biggest belief was believing I can do it, the confidence, believing I can do it, Um, believing that I could walk into this credit union, um, being the youngest. Right. Um, And I have five, uh, five women, and they've been at the credit union a very, very long time. I'm not from West Morning County, so I'm an outsider. Okay. And I'm um, the youngest. So I had to believe in myself that I could do it. I'm also somebody that keeps pushing ideas forward and, and on to the next change, and, which contributes to our growth. But what I learned when I first started here in my first short amount of time is I had to slow down. Mm-hmm. I had to slow down to gain the support and the respect of mm-hmm. what they accomplished here but also to gain a better understanding and the buy-in from my team. So I had to slow down. And slowing down is still hard for me today. And I would still tell you, my team would tell you that I'm still learning because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm always pushing forward to the next thing. But I had to slow down and, and truly understand each one of them as an individual, understand what they wanted from the credit union, where they saw the credit union going, and what they expected from me as their, their leader. Um, so just putting the brakes on a little bit and embracing what they've done and appreciating and then educating and saying what we can do next so just just slow down and and, and give them the time to to de- build build those relationships yeah and they're all still here today so i think i did okay <laughs> something. Like-
0: now, were these these five employees, these were the employees that you also knew as you were working your way up from Teller into this position or? No, um, this is
1: a, it was a completely different credit union. So I had no interaction. I didn't know who they were. I didn't even know where the credit union was. I had to do my dry run so I could get there on time for the interview. So no, they had no idea who I was. Um, wow. So the first, the first day walking in and, and then, you know, I. I teased one of my employees because she was the first one to turn around and say to me, Oh my God, you're the same age as my son. <laughs> oh, wow. So being young took a lot of proving myself and the board didn't realize how young I was either. till the board meeting, a few board meetings after that I had a birthday and they were like, Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So no, they had no idea who I was and I, and what, Type of person I was, or anything. So that was getting to know one another and, and building those relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. So was it, what? Did you? At what point did you notice the need or recognize the need to slow down?
1: I would say it, I would probably tell you about two or three months in. Oh, because I are. started. I started meeting with each one, and then I had this whole list of changes. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that, and you know we had team meetings, and we're going to change this and that, and everybody's like. I could just see it in their face where you get the impression that they felt they weren't doing anything right because here I am three months in and I want to change everything. Right. And they were still a little apprehensive, uh, you know, of of me as a person and, and didn't know what I believed in and, and what their credit union was going to look like in, in five years. Cause these were seasoned employees. They were here five, six, seven, eight years before I walked in the door. And one of them was here almost 15 years before I walked in the door. So Wow. It's just a matter of, and, and I pass that on to new leaders that I do bring in externally um, mm-hmm. when that opportunity um, happens is that change will come, but do it slowly. Um, don't come in here on day one and flip the switch on everybody.
0: Right. Right. That is so. that is a lesson that took me at least a year to learn in, mm-hmm. in the leadership role. It sounds like you learned it very quickly. Um, how did you? Was this uh, CEO still mentoring you in leadership or how did you acquire these this le- acumen for leadership? He was still
1: mentoring me the first year the first year um, because when you the transition for me of working for a board was a little more challenging than in what I thought because at a credit union, you work for a board they're volunteers and you only see them once a month and you're reporting and they're asking questions and and you and I and I think for the first couple months I'm looking at them like you do you truly understand everything I'm doing all day every day long because you're for one you're volunteers for another you know you're just getting these reports once a month so that was a challenge and then I always felt that um, you know every time I would propose something I got many many questions and sometimes they would get declined or pushed back or whatever so my CEO helped me he said you know you're new in this role. Mm-hmm. they don't know you um, you have to prove yourself we all go through this journey mm-hmm. and he would, we would walk through board meetings together and we'd do some role playing for the first year mm-hmm. and then after that i a lot of it was was leadership workshop and i still do it today i take tons of workshops on leadership i read books on leadership it's always you know an education and leadership has changed over the years um, the way you lead today is completely different than the way you know you've led 30 years ago. Um, it's more about collaboration, empowerment, and working with your team. And it's not as micromanaging and directives of you do this. And it's you know creating that space for for them to exercise their voice. Right. Um, so I still I still read. I still take workshops. I still go to. And I did it back then. But one thing unique about the credit union world um, is that. All Credians work together. So when I came here, I started, they, they used to have CEO breakfasts. So we'd go to the CEO breakfasts and there'd be 10 or 15 other CEOs there. And they would be sharing their stories and challenges. I'd like, oh, thank God I'm not alone. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, so that was tremendous. And when I would have a problem that maybe I've never encountered before, I'd pick up the phone and I'd say, so, you know, can you help me? Do you got a policy on this or how did you handle this? And that I will tell you, has been probably the most beneficial asset network to my, to my growth is, is this credit union network of working together to help each other grow and whether it's individually or your credit union. So, and I, sh- and I share that with my team, you know, find people in your role within the credit union movement because they'll become your friends. They'll become your colleagues. They'll become your allies and they'll help you. And that has been priceless.
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably true in every industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those listeners, if you're not a credit union, within your industry, there, there's gotten mm-hmm. to be some professional organizations where people mm-hmm. across organizations are connecting in similar roles. Yep. Um, because really, what is the point of, of reinventing the wheel? It's right. a lot of energy and maybe you come up with a good wheel, but somebody else may have a better wheel done over here already for you. <laughs> the willing
1: to of. Right. And sometimes it's just a good feeling to either know you're headed on the right track or to know that, you know, uh, you're in this, we're in this together, like the last 18 months where we're, we're yeah. in this together. We don't know where it's going. Right. There's no book on how to operate in a pandemic or well, in this together. You're not alone. Yeah. So what you're feeling, I'm feeling, what you're going through, I'm going through. This is how I handled it. Take a piece of it. And hopefully it helps you too. So mention
0: speaking of the pandemic, what, what have been maybe one of your biggest leadership challenges within this pandemic
1: is understanding the mental impact on my team um, here is you've got to balance the health and safety of your team but you still got members and customers that you've got to serve so today I sit in one of my branches I try to go around to my branches on a regular basis so you you know we're we're you're I got to protect you, but I've got to service that member coming in. They need to get access to their cash and just the, the mental impact because I've got people that have school age children when they were, you know, virtually learning and they couldn't, you know, we had to adjust schedules because they couldn't come in all the time. Or, you know, for me, I, I care for my mother and she's, you know, a dialysis patient. So, you know, the mental health on that and this, me trying to protect myself in order to protect her. So she doesn't get exposed. So it's understanding that every individual is different and trying to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been challenging. But, you know, two is to let them see that I'm human. Is I've said it for the last 18 months. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to lead through. But I'm struggling just like you're struggling. I've got the challenges at home that you're dealing with. Um, coming in every day, you know, the face, the challenges with the members, we're, we're in this together and creating that space where they can um, feel that their voice is being heard. Um, and, and just being, being there, being visible and being accessible and willing to listen. So yeah.
0: now before we move on to talking more about your mentorship that you do with young women, and that's where I want to go next, but before we go there, Tell me maybe a story about a leadership failure <laughs> and maybe what you learned from it. Maybe it happened recently, maybe it happened 20 years ago, but some leadership experience that went completely sideways from what you thought. And then what happened after that?
1: Well, I would say it was probably more of a, a hiring failure. You know, um, we, we were looking for a, an executive to fill one of our executive roles. And we hired an individual. Um, me and my uh, other executive worked together and we felt this was the best individual to hire, but also knowing that there was some interaction with other team members and there was a, a little of concern that um, he was being hired and what were the impacts he would have on the culture. And at that time, I was more focused on the knowledge that he was bringing to the team that the rest of us didn't have. So I believe in surrounding myself with people that make up my weaknesses. Sure. And we had a hole. And I did did exactly that, kind of ignoring everything else. The the personality, the impact to the culture and saying, okay, we've got this hole. He's got the knowledge. We're going to fill it. And it took me five years. Wow. Five years to say, and I was having a conversation with my board. And they said to me, Um, are you trying to make the culture fit him or him fit the culture? Um, and so you know, it was it was in the impact that it had mm-hmm. on a lot of my team members. I wouldn't say I had my head in the sand, I would say that I saw what they needed me to see and not everything else and then when a decision came down that we we kind of revamped and uh, him and I worked together and we kind of revamped his role and and what he was doing here and he became more of a consultant the it was kind of like everybody exhaled really everybody exhaled and and we just like moved forward (laughs) And so, you know, as I, I go back and I go, you, 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 you kind of, you missed it. Um, and did you miss it intentionally because you were too focused on the knowledge? And I would say, yes, mm-hmm. I would, I, I would say I intentionally looked past it. Sure. Um, and as I look over the years that um, they served here, there were signs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, I look past it because of everything else that was brought to the table, the knowledge and the things that we were doing and pushing forward. But yes. And, and I think that the biggest thing about failures is I always tell my team, you grow more yes. when in challenging times than you do when things are going great. So you you pick yourself up, you, you reevaluate, and you learn and you grow when you push forward. You can't sit there and dwell on it. I, I couldn't sit there and say, oh my God, you missed it. Oh, she, what did you do? Because you just got to reevaluate. You got to learn from it. And you got to push forward. And you got to be honest about it.
0: Some right. people, you know,
1: and I'm, I'm, you got to be honest about it. And I was, and I was transparent and we were just honest about it. But you got to push forward. And you, because failure is part of growth. Exactly. Failure is part of growth. I, I, I tell that to my, my daughters all the time, you know, you, you're going to fail in life. You're going to fall. Mm-hmm. Pick yourself up, brush your knees off, evaluate, and push forward.
0: Yeah. So. mm -hmm. And and that's precisely exactly, and that's precisely why I wanted to ask that question of you. Because again, we a lot so much of this conversation is you know how early you came into leadership and how you developed your leadership skills, and I wanted to make sure that we did talk about failure, and and that failure is going to as much amazing things as you've done you have stumbled along the way as well and this is one of those examples. Oh, absolutely yeah I, I could go into you know rolling
1: out the products and services that i thought were wonderful and then they just blew up in my face and <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you know and, and one of the things too i would say the biggest lesson i've learned and um is that we work with a leadership consultant he works with the leadership team and, and we started working with him about seven years ago and one thing he kept saying to me is is everything a CEO decision? I'm like, well, yes. Maria, is everything? And I'm like, well, yes. Because at the end of the day, I'm held responsible. So uh-huh. and and a lot of coaching came from that. That that's not necessarily true. So I took that growth and I said, okay, so now we have these when we were like we're rolling out something new, or right over the last 18 months, we evaluated the the longevity of remote work. So I get cross-functional teams together and they evaluate it and they make their recommendations back to me. And it's not, everything's not a CEO decision. (laughs) It's not always my decision. And, and, and truly the better ideas and come from the people dealing with it day in and day out. Exactly. So I've, I've, I've learned that in the last seven to eight years. And so we just, we just laugh now because we, we do have so many people getting involved in so many decisions and that's part of their growth and development as a professional too.
0: Absolutely. And you had mentioned earlier that when I asked the question about how you've developed your leadership skills, you talked about doing a lot of trainings and workshops, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you've also engaged coaching um, right. for leadership within your organization. Right. Yes. And you put it off for so long, you're like, well, I don't want to
1: invest that. I could invest those funds over here and it could be more return on investment or whatever. Um, But it has been tremendous and it helps us understand how each person thinks, how each person, you know, communicates and how we can better communicate together. And when things fall through the cracks, everybody's not up in arms about it and we don't have, everybody's like, okay, here we are. Let's try to fix it and push forward. So yes, it is, it's been very beneficial. And again, I've been doing this for a long time, but you still got to invest in your growth and development and continue, especially as a leader. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Excellent. Okay. Let's take a little bit of a shift. And okay. I want to hear more about the, the mentorship that you do with young women. Um, okay. Is this formal? Is this informal? How did you get started? Let's start well, there there is a program through the
1: uh, Pennsylvania foundation. It's called the executive leadership development program. And I used to serve on that board. And then a few, probably a few years ago, maybe five or six, Oh, it's my third. So about six, seven years ago, they asked CEOs to volunteer, to be mentors. So Obviously, I volunteered um, because I believe in paying it forward. I I'll, I truly believe I wouldn't be sitting here today without the mentor that I had. So I, I signed up and, and here we are. This is um, through the program. This is the, the third young woman that I have mentored. Um, and I do a lot of indirectly mentoring with my, my team here. Um, you know, I have a, a young man. 25 years old, and he just got promoted to VP of finance internally. So we've done a lot of mentoring and growing for him. So I do it internally, but I also do it externally too.
0: So when you are doing this mentorship, is there um, a particular focus or, or what is your approach to the mentorship relationship? Do you have kind of like a here are the top 10 points that I want to help you learn and experience, or are you kind of seeing where that mentor E is at, where do they want to go and to craft that with them, uh, that path with them?
1: Uh, the latter. I, okay. I say, okay, what, what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? And then we kind of map out how we're going to get there. Um, so and then, you know, most of them will know something about me because they would have gotten my bio or my resume. And then, you know, they'll say, well, how did you do that? Or how did you do this? or So it's truly what do they want to accomplish? Um, and we meet monthly. Um, right now it's virtual. Um, but we also, if there's something they're going through through the month, they send me a text and we jump on Zoom or we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick call to kind of walk them through that. So it's truly based on their needs and what they want to accomplish, and and sometimes it requires me to do a little bit of research of trying to understand. Like I have the young the young one young lady I'm mentoring now, she discovered that she had AD, ADD, and she was trying to figure out how to apply that to work. So I had to research that because that was new for me. Um, and and we 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 come up with some tips and how to manage that and still be successful because it's just one part of you. Right. Um, right. It's just one part of you. So it's based on their needs. Um, but I, I do tie in books. Um, some <laughs> my leadership team would tell you if they're about over my books, but <laughs> I do I do tie in books, you know. I'll I'll start off by okay, we'll read this book and we we'll read a couple chapters a month and then we'll talk about them. And if they have a book that they went to some type of workshop, they'll share with me. And I've had individuals send me books too. So I always try to tie it back to some type of book based on what they're trying to accomplish.
0: So I'm curious. And it's interesting.
1: Go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask um, to make some generalizations. So not specifically about the people that you're, you're mentoring or you have mentored, but if you were to, to look at that younger generation what would be maybe one or two pointers that you would say to a young woman or, or man in their 20s uh, about the path that they're taking, you know, becoming, stepping into adulthood? Let's put it that way. What are a couple of those pointers that you would give to a young adult about stepping into adulthood?
1: Number one is belief in yourself, but recognizing that life is a journey and it's going to take you down many, many different paths is what I see with the, a lot of the um, young professionals that I mentor is this is where I am. And this is where I expect it to be. And I'm not there. Yes. I'm not there yet. And, and now I don't fulfill, I don't feel fulfilled and I'm kind of lost kind of like you and I talked about, um, And and I think you get in your head as a young professional and somebody graduating from high school that this is my path. Mm Kind of, it's all written down. This is my journey and this is where I'm going. And then when life throws you a curveball, you don't know necessarily how to adjust. Mm -hmm. Life is going to throw you curveballs and you're just going to adjust. And so maybe you're not where you thought you would be at 25 or 30 but maybe you're where you should be. And if you're not feeling that fulfillment, what else can we do? What I've talked to a lot of my mentors, they seem to be at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, they don't completely feel fulfilled at work or kind of lost. And and sometimes what I tell them is that fulfillment doesn't necessarily come from nine to five. Got it. Um, so for me, you know, I love my job and I love what I do but I also get this extra fulfillment by serving on different types of boards and giving back that way. So it all comes back to the credit union because I'm more engaged in my work. I'm also more, I guess, I feel more fulfilled somewhere. I'm more happy or, in things like that. I'm more positive towards my day. So I think that's it is that we, we get this plan And then when it don't go the way, especially if you're academically strong, you go to college, you got a master's degree and I'm planning this whole life out and it's not Mm -hmm. where I want it to be. life throws me a curveball, and I don't know necessarily how to adjust. So it's just recognize that. recognize. I try to tell my my daughters that too. I I try to tell the young professionals here that I work with even. And if the last 18 months didn't teach any of us that... (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> is there so much uncertainty, you just got to you, you've got to adjust um and be and just be open. And and sometimes that journey changes. It does, where you in my example, and many examples, where somebody thought they were going to be at 25 is not necessarily where they are at 45. Right. Right. So success looks different to me at 48 than what I thought it was going to look like at 18. And that's OK. Yes. And that's OK. And, and we have to be OK with that. Um,
0: yeah. Yes. And I and I really do want all of our all of the listeners, whether you're a young adult or you've been adulting for some time now. Um, the image that we had of what success would look like can be altered. You
1: Absolutely. Know, Absolutely.
0: And probably should be, you know, one of the conversations I, I have with many of my clients is, um, well, it often shows up as comparison, right? You know, so-and-so is getting the results that I want, and I'm doing the same thing, or I'm not as good as them. And, and we're, we're using someone else's measure of success uh, to evaluate our own measure of success. Right. And to me, that, the whole comparison thing is the crux of that problem. So coming back to what is my definition of success? What has it been? Am I willing to change that? Am I willing to upgrade what my vision of success is now versus where I was 10 years ago?
1: And I always self-assess because constantly comparing yourself to where others are, it can just derail you in, in, in life. I always used to say, "Okay, have I progressed professionally? Have I grown? My knowledge grown? Have I progressed financially?" That's and I, I try to do that self-assessment. If I if I sit there and I compare myself to maybe one of my colleagues and what they've done and other things, it could be more more harmful. Yes, I want I celebrate their successes and I'm, I'm, I, I try to be there when they're facing challenges. But I also look at I, I try to look at my own journey. Um, and that's hard uh, when you, you know, I, again, as I said, I, I have two daughters, one is 26. And, um, and, you know, we, we, we've we been talking a lot about her, she'd always been academically strong. And there was no discussion of college, that's just what she was going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this path. Hmm. Um, and then and, and we, and, and then I, you know, my my, my youngest spends a, you know, a lot of time comparing herself to her sister and that's not helping her at all because they're two different individuals. But then my oldest looks at all her friends and compares herself to where her friends are and maybe she's not where they are or maybe she's on a different journey. So we, we do that so much and then we miss out on celebrating our successes because they start to get minimized if you think so-and-so is progressing more than you or... And you don't really know their journey and their story either. Exactly. (laughs) Because everybody's got a story. um,
0: Right. Right. So, and everyone's had to overcome something to get. Oh, absolutely. 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 So it sounds like a couple of your keys to success is one following the path that was laid out for you and and being willing to take those, those curves as they showed Mm -hmm. up taking that first teller position because it met the needs of your family and staying curious, then also having someone else who believed in you. Mm-hmm. Someone who Absolutely. could believe in you before you could get up to speed and believe in yourself at the same level that they believed in you. Correct. Would there be any other maybe one more key to success for you? You know, I I think
1: support yeah. Uh, I think support is huge and whether it's professional or personal, um, support is, is huge. And, you know, one of the things too, is we have this life or is it life work, homework, life balance. Sure. Mentality. And we, we all, we, we strive for it. And what I, what I always say to my young professionals when I'm asked is that, recognizing that sometimes depending on what you're going through, it is out of balance and being okay with that. If I'm going through a merger at work, I'm going to be given more time to work. If I just had a newborn or if I'm taking care of my elderly, you know, mother home's going to, you know, maybe take a little bit of my time. If you're so much focused on that work life when it's out of balance, that is also viewed as failure.
0: Exactly. And,
1: and especially for women, because the expectations are still there for us. We are still, still got to be a mother, right? Um, we, we, we still have homes and to provide for and things like that. Um, and you can still be successful on both levels, but recognizing sometimes it's, it's going to be off. And yep. that's okay.
0: Exactly. And
1: having the support when it is off is key. So if I'm doing a big merger at work and I, you know, like I take care of my mother now and being able to rely on my brothers or my daughters to step in, if I can't be there, it's great. Um, you know, I take care of my mother. So Mondays and Fridays, I'm only working remotely, taking her back and forth from dialysis, having the support system here to say, I got you when you're not yeah. here.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Is there any other um, message that you would want to send to the listener before we wrap up today? I go
1: back to your past doesn't determine your future. You do. Beautiful. Absolutely.
0: Well, Maria, I've learned so much about leadership from you (laughs) in this hour and, and in particular how you've applied that leadership. And once again, I really thank you for sharing your story with us and for being the leader that you are uh, for your team and your community. I appreciate the opportunity, so thank you. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes, but most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.